0: Video games, no matter their subject, are experiences that can be boiled down to a conversation between player and the game itself. There's always a dialogue between the two parties of subtle encouragement. You see, even if a game is absolutely hammering your soul to the wall, the last thing a title actually wants you to do is stop playing. And so developers the world over spend hours of their time coming up with little tricks and secrets in order to tip the balance back into your favour. And as you can imagine, when you discover some of these, you'll be left reeling and saying the almighty word of WHAT?! So let's take a look at them. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are eight insane video game secrets that made you say what? Number eight, multiplayer damage buffs, Gears of War. If there's one thing that video games pretty much have to adhere to when making an online multiplayer mode, it's that balance is king. If a certain class, weapon, or skill absolutely dominates everything else in the experience, then unfortunately that is what the player base will come to solely use. And therefore constant tweaking, testing, and nerfs need to be rolled out constantly to keep the field even. Or at least, that's what they should do. It turns out that some titles fly in the face of fairness, as is the example of Gears of War, because it was revealed that players starting out on the game's multiplayer mode were actually given damage boosts at lower levels. And the reason for this was that, according to research done by the devs, players were unlikely to return for another match if they didn't get at least one kill in each game, and so in order to keep them engaged, these buffs would swing things in their favour enough to make an impact on both the game and their desire to keep playing. These buffs would drop off as they levelled up, yet this made for a strange case where the most powerful players statistically were those newest to the game. Number 7. Terrible AI By Design Left for Dead. If you were to ask gamers around the globe what their biggest pet are within their favourite titles, the answers would likely centre around terrible enemy and partner AI. As if we're being honest, being lumped with a team containing the same brain power as a loaf of wet bread is like being sent right to gaming hell. But what if I were to tell you that sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, these brain-dead mates are actually terrible by design. It's a very strange thing to accept, but having nosedives in your team's ability to hit enemies is actually essential to gameplay flow. As if you rocked up only to have your squad take out all the enemies Enemies for you, then you'd feel like you are pretty superfluous. After all, this is your story, not theirs, and as such, these dips force you to become active. It doesn't stop the situation from being hilarious and making them look entirely incompetent, but this design choice is basically for our own benefit. Number six, Big Daddy's Taking a Break. Bioshock. When you're trapped hundreds of leagues below the sea in a violent, leaky, and completely broken society, there's a good chance that you're not going to be leaving the house without at least a few shotgun shells and your trusty wrench. However, if there's one way the almighty Bioshock does mirror our real-life oceans, it's that there is always a bigger fish. And they don't get much bigger than the whopping big daddies who will leave you wailing as they pierce through your blubber with those nasty-looking drills. It's made clear from the off that these enemies require planning and careful use of your environment, in order to take down, as going toe-to-toe with them is akin to a death sentence. Their huge health pools, outstanding damage output, and the ability to run through you like a freight train mean that you're likely to be pegging it from these large lads as much as you are running into the firefight with them. It turns out, however, that the devs tried their best to make sure that you didn't get immediately pancaked by these rampaging big daddies by reducing their speed considerably the first couple of times that you turn away from them in order to run. This means that even though they might be lunging for you at a frightening pace, you'll nearly always be able to escape or dive out of the way just in the nick of time. It's a brilliant mechanic that makes you feel like an absolute subnautical superhero, but that doesn't make it any less weird when you know what's going on behind the scenes. Number 5. Resident Evil Plays Hard Resident Evil 4 I think it goes without saying, but Resident Evil 4 truly is one of the horror genre's all time classics. The tongue in cheek tone, the wonderful enemy designs, and of course, Leon's funeral for a friend fringe are just absolute chef kiss. Completing this holy trinity of a title comes the outstanding gameplay, which not only shifted the action to an over the shoulder perspective, but also presented a brilliant bit of fine tuning that many players wouldn't even notice. Now, whereas adaptive difficulty isn't exactly a new idea in the grand scheme of things, with titles like God Hand, who promote this feature proudly on the box, Resident Evil, on the other hand, never makes mention of this feature at all. In a move that attempts to cater to player player's skill without ever making them aware of it, Resi 4 scales its enemy aggressiveness, placement, item drops, and even damage dealt and received depending on how well the player is doing. If the person is struggling through with a tiny bit of health, then it's more likely that enemies will be slightly more docile to give them a chance to heal up or intentionally miss a shot in order to act as a wake-up call to their current situation. Inversely, if the player is carrying more guns than even the Matrix could load in and is more stocked up with more green than a pharmacy run by Snoop Dogg, enemies will be far more aggressive, even taking a few extra shots to drain their reserves and reset the scale. Clever, right? But also, what? Number 4. Percentages Mean Nothing XCOM So I'm not going to lie to you, this next entry is both personal and painful. When it comes to the XCOM series, the concept of what is fair is not something the game understands, or at very least does understand but chooses to ignore. You will see enemies pop up out of nowhere, blast your team to oblivion with superior weaponry, ambush your base, drain your resources, and otherwise make you look like an utter fool, to such an extent that if this franchise came with a developer's commentary soundtrack, it would just be them laughing at you hysterically for hours at a time. However, something much less fun funny are the so-called to-hit percentages that the game touts each and every time you take aim at little grey men and try to turn them into massive red mist. As while you might be told that you have a 100% chance to hit, the reality of the situation is much less certain. It turns out that according to the lead designers of XCOM 2, the percentages are mere guidelines that really don't reflect your statistical chances to hit, and in many cases are actually just inflated or deflated according to the difficulty that you're playing on. This means that it's very possible to miss a 100% chance to hit shot because the game actually reads it more as 90% to hit on harder settings. What? Indeed. Number 3. She's Right Behind You. P.T. While we might never get to know what PT's actual full-fledged release might have looked like thanks to Konami fudging things up so badly with auteur, video game director, and certified cheeky whippet Hideo Kojima, the playable teaser still remains one of the purest and indeed most terrifying horror experiences we've yet played on consoles. The atmosphere is tense and heightened to breaking point by the tight claustrophobic corridors, and the endless repetition of walking the same halls over and over adds to the sense of paranoia and dread that hits you when you witness small changes in the environment. Oh, and then of course there's Lisa, who will grab you at some point and scare the living daylights out of you. Yet you know what makes this close and personal encounter all the scarier? The fact that she's right behind you all the bloody time. In order to give the player small glimpses of Lisa in reflections and to pipe breathing or creaking noises behind you, Lisa's graphical rig is planted right behind the player from the very start. And knowing that she's just there, hovering over your shoulder, well it makes the experience all the more terrifying, right? Number two, the rot is a hoax. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is a mightily impressive game, isn't it? Not only does it look utterly fantastic, but it deals with pretty difficult subject matter, that of mental health and processing complex emotions in a rather interesting way. To add even more pressure to the trials that Senua faced, developer Ninja Theory pushed this concept of the rot really hard in the lead-up to the game's release. The dark rot, according to the devs, was tied to a permadeath system within the game, and each time the player failed or died, would spread up Senua's arms towards her head. If it was to ever reach our hero's head, then that would be it. Game over. Save file deleted. You're done. Except, you see, this was actually a big fib from Ninja Theory. At no point does the Dark Rod ever reach your head, and the player can die countless times without any true repercussions. It was merely designed as a motivating factor, and one to instill in players that they should never give up. It's a bit underhanded, but the intention of perseverance is admirable, to say the least. And number 1. Armor Means Nothing Dark Souls 3 Okay, so to preface this section, armor does actually mean something when it comes to the Dark Souls 3 experience, however, it doesn't mean all that much. Confused? Well, this is just the opening of the rabbit hole, my friend. When it came to Dark Souls 3, From Software wanted to address an issue that had been plaguing the prior two titles in the series, namely that when it came to armor types, a few sets were just being used a lot more than others thanks to the buffs that they provided, and so they set about readdressing the system so that more sets would see a greater rotation. What they did, however, was make one of the most bizarre damage reduction systems going. Thanks to a huge number of YouTubers and data miners looking into the system, they found that not only did each armor type experience huge drop-offs in terms of actual damage prevented when its damage percentage reduction was over 25%, but that more alarmingly, each armor set actually provides the same flat damage reduction across the board. That's right, the real difference between a full Havel set and the painted Guardian robes is about one full swing. Instead, it's the player's vitality and other stats that boost the survivability rating up now on the one hand you can rejoice as you're not locked to specific sets anymore and can just fashion souls to your heart's content but on the other those looking to hide behind a wall of steel might actually be wasting their own time come the late game and for those of you that are interested in a much greater and much more eloquent explanation of the stat breakdown check out the video how defense works in dark souls 3. it is a real eye-opener for sure and will definitely leave you saying what